Welcome to the Talented Learning Show, Episode 8, with your host, Independent Tech Analyst, John Lay. Today I interview Mike Rustasy, founder and CEO of Watershed LRS, about XAPI and the power of learning data analytics. You can find more of our content at TalentedLearning.com. Welcome back, everyone. On this show, I'm fortunate to interview the world's leading experts in extended enterprise learning technology solutions from both the vendor and the practitioner perspectives. Today, we're lucky enough to have longtime learning technology veteran, thought leader, entrepreneur, Mike Rustasy as our guest. Mike is the founder and CEO of Watershed LRS and the creator of the XAPI standard. And Mike built his learning tech fame, helping companies implement the SCORM learning standard as president of uh, Rustasy Software. Uh, welcome, Mike. Thanks for having me, John. <laughs> Mike, well, between the two of us, we've probably had more people mispronounce our last names uh, than just about anybody in the learning <laughs> industry history. So just for the record on our office gambling pool, uh, can you please uh, correct my hor horrendous pronunciation of your name? What's the, the proper way to say it? The proper way, the way we say it is rusticy. Rusticy. remember that. Rusticy. We'll never get it wrong again. Yep. Well, Mike, as you know, uh, at Talented Learning here, we're independent research analysts, and uh, we focus on the field of extended enterprise learning technology. And unlike HR and training and academia, a lot of our practitioners don't come from the HR training space. They uh, are more from the business units that have kind of found their way into learning technology and a lot of times uh, get lost in, in all of the jargon and acronyms uh, that we carry. XAPI, of course, is a, is a perfect example uh, of, of that scenario where as a consultant uh, I encounter you know, a lot of market confusion on what it means and do we need it and why do we need it and how does it work and yeah. why should I why should this matter to me and what are some examples and I literally get these questions on a, on an everyday basis so uh, we're really excited to have you here to help clear this all up for us and uh, make it uh, understandable but man let's start at the beginning could you tell us about yourself your history and you know, how you started your company sure so uh, I started as a software developer really and I, I worked for an e-learning company back in uh, 1999 it was a dot-com and we were going to be dot millionaires, but that, that didn't wind up <laughs> happening. But, you know, I learned a few things while I was there. And one of those things was I was the uh, the guy who got stuck implementing this brand new specification called SCORM. And long story short, I, I realized I wanted to go out and start my own company. And I, I started Rusty Software in my spare bedrooms as a freelance software developer. And I completely by chance, somebody came to me asking if I knew anybody who could help them with this obscure technology called SCORM. And I said, you know, sure, I'll do that. I'll do that for anything. We'll do anything for a buck at that point, and did that and made a few bucks, and thought that uh, there might be five or six other people in the world who need this bit of obscure knowledge. And it, it turned out that there was more like five or six hundred, and uh, LMSs were really starting to take off, and e-learning was really starting to take off at that time. And SCORM became the glue that held them all together. And so we, uh, Rusty Software, started as a company that was intended to be a great place to work, a place that attracted and retained really smart people, and we just happened to find this niche in building kind of the gold standard world-class SCORM player for LMSs and for content providers and authoring tools out there. So uh, really the, the short answer is completely by chance. We kind of got started and stumbled into this space, but it, it was a, a really great niche that allowed us to build the company we wanted to build, which was a place focused on uh, just ha having great people and enjoying what you do from 9 to 5 every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so how did uh, SCORM turn into XAPI? What's, what's uh, many people get the two confused and think one's the yeah. successor of the other. Uh, what's the difference? Uh, is, is one based on the other? How does all that work? 
Yeah, sure. So SCORM, you have to understand, was first created in the year 2000. And it was brilliant for its time, but it's now 2018, which means the, the, the way our software works together, which we can, we can talk about here in a minute, the, the way our software works together is kind of confined by this 18-year-old model right now. And so uh, SCORM was created by the Department of Defense. And in the year 2012, they kind of started to realize, hey, we really need an update to this. We need to refresh the way our learning systems are interacting with one another. And so they looked at a bunch different ways of doing that, but one of the things they did was, was hire my former company, Rusty Software, that gave us a research grant to kind of go, go kind of collect requirements and talk to everybody in the industry and you know, brainstorm and propose what a next generation learning interoperability standard would look like. And we, we did that. And that was originally called Project Tin Can and released the Tin Can API, which they later renamed to XAPI or Experience API. Uh, so the first thing you understand is you know, Tin Can, XAPI, Experience API, these are all the same name for different things. Some people also call it Zappy. Um, so the, the difference between SCORM and XAPI is a really, really big one. And to begin that, to understand that, we'll talk about what SCORM did, which is SCORM governed how an e-learning course played through an LMS to a single known learner in a web browser while connected to the internet, that it governed that, that one small bit of the way we learn. And ask yourself, what percentage of what you've learned in your lifetime has come from a single e-learning course in an LMS? That's a very, very small percentage. It's an important delivery mechanism for corporations and for the extended enterprise particular, but it's a tiny fraction of what we learn as humans. Learning happens everywhere. It happens online or offline in the real world, in the virtual world. It happens from books, reading books and conferences and webinars and videos and games and simulations and on and on and on. The big difference between SCORM and XAPI is XAPI allows us to track information about all of that learning that is happening, not just the tiny fraction that happens in an e-learning course in an LMS. So, some people will say that XAPI is a successor to SCORM, and in a sense, that's true. It's the next generation learning interoperability standard. It will be replacing SCORM, but in a sense, it's also vastly under oversimplifying the problem there, because XAPI does so much more than SCORM. It allows us to understand information about so many more learning events, and most importantly, what it does is it really broadens the, our ability to create rich and diverse learning ecosystems. Be, having been created in the year 2000, SCORM had a lot of constraints. You know, a lot of things weren't invented or envisioned back then, like mobile or social and use to video online. And SCORM has a lot of constraints that are very much removed by, by XAPI. When you look at why our industry lags behind in so many areas, like why is it so hard to do mobile learning? The answer is often because SCORM has gotten in the way. And we, we can talk a lot about how standards are these really small, nerdy things, but they define and confine you know, really a lot of the tools on the industry and what practitioners are able to do in their day-to-day in their -day work. 
So in, in a nutshell, the interoperability you're talking about is so that you can create content once and, and it's guaranteed to work on different platforms as uh, around the industry that adhere to that standard. Is that the gist? Exactly. That's the role of a standard. And I'll use an analogy from a different field to help you understand that. USB is a common one that we all understand. USB is the standard for how something plugs into a computer. I know if I create something via USB, it'll be able to work in any device, any computer, even you know now in my car and all these other places that have power outlets and everything. It's the standard. It's the way we've created that plug so that things plug in together. And that's what both SCORM and XAPI are. They are standards that allow things to work together. And XAPI is geared particularly towards learning systems. And you use the word content and content I think would just be one form of a learning experience. You could also have um, <clears throat> You know, uh, simulation, for instance, would be another type of learning experience that we could now track in, alongside our content in something called a learning record store or an LRS. An LRS is a new type of system that is emerging now, defined by the XAPI specification, that allows us to have a single place to track all, all of the learning that's happening. Uh, an LRS could be part of of an LMS and, and often would be, but the, the big difference between an LRS and an LMS is an LMS seeks to kind of manage learning and LMS does often take the approach that all learning should happen within me and they will track and tell you everything about the learning that's happening within it, but we, we know that that's only a tiny fraction of all the learning that's happening and LRS takes the opposite approach of go design your ideal learning experience using whatever technology or modality you've find best for the job, and then we'll sit in the background and do all of the tracking and the reporting and the analytics on that so that you don't have to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I, I think for more, I think people get their arms around the more formal stuff, so, you know, if it is a simulation or, you know, something outside of typical content, ex the, the more traditional content experiences, but, you know, the other things that you mentioned about, you know, reading a book or, you know, attending a show or, you know, go into a, a webinar, things that are maybe outside the, the learning management system, where do, you, where do you draw the line? Is there a practical box to draw around that where there's too much or there's too little or is the more data the better? Like, how, I think a lot of people are struggle with, like, like, how much of this do we track and then what do we do yeah. with it once we track it? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a great question, and I think it's one the industry is, is still – struggling with and defining as we go. This power given to us now by XAPI is still very new and we're still trying to figure out what to do with it. I think the answer to the question of how much data and how much to track is too much is it's a little bit of a cop-up, but the answer is it just depends. It depends on the situation and really it depends on what you want to know about your learners and what new questions you want to ask of that data. In a, a situation where you have, you know, a very large company with hundreds of thousands of employees and you're trying to identify patterns that would indicate high performers and you're trying to understand the essentially hidden competencies and skills within your organization and, and you want to know, you know, um, what people are wanting to learn about that you haven't given them resources for to kind of go identify new trends and things like that. In that type of a situation, you, you really want to know a lot of detail, as much detail as you can, um, 
as, as much skilled detail as you can get, the better you're off you're going to be. But in, in another situation where you, you know you're simply kind of doing training for compliance purposes, you 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 don't really care about you know a lot of the informal learning that people are doing a lot of times. What you probably do care more about is you know is there a correlation between the training that we are giving and let's just use safety as an example. Is there a correlation between the safety training we are delivering and a reduction? in safety incidents to go see if that training is actually effective at you know not just checking the box for compliance purposes but also at you know, driving real success for your business or in kind of the extended enterprise type situation if you're training providing training on usage of your software do people then go go use the software more or use the features that they take training on or do they use the software in the way that they were trained. You're going to want to go kind of connect those dots between the training and the actual behaviors and performance. And the, the amount of data you want to gather for each of these scenarios is varies widely, again, that depending on that scenario. But that's really one of the great parts about XAPI is that it's flexible enough not just to bring in all of that data about training and learning and all those different ways and formats, but it can also bring in data about employee behaviors and user performance. So for the first time in the learning record store now, we can use one format to connect all this training and learning data with actual you know, on-the-job usage data, whether that's safety incidents or software usage, to go see if the training we're delivering is actually having an impact on the metrics we care most about. Wow, wow. That's interesting. You know, we've we've been talking about that in the, in the learning industry for you know for many years, and you certainly see it happening on a uh, an incident by incident. Uh, you know, inside of companies like maybe hooking two systems together. Do you do you do you see them bringing in data uh, organizations from like dozens of sources? Sometimes uh, you know it could be like things like CRMs, and you know, in addition to safety systems, or I don't know, absolutely customer service systems. I mean, it's probably endless. So like. What do you see are some of the better scenarios? Absolutely. You hit the nail right on the head there. It's fun when we bring in a large enterprise and we first get them started with Watershed and with Learning Analytics and XAPI. One of the first things we do is what we call a data source audit, where we just kind of start get up on a whiteboard and start writing down all of the places somebody learns in their organization. And just with the learning systems, you start to get into the dozens of systems a lot of people just think, oh, I've got an LMS, but then they start thinking about, oh, well, I've also got content out in SharePoint, and I've got you know videos out in Kaltura, and on and on and on. You start drawing that out and teasing that out, and there's dozens of places people are learning in a large enterprise. It starts by bringing all of that learning data together, but then when once you know, learning analytics is kind of this journey that it starts with what we call learning experience analytics, where we want to go learn about, you know, the analytics are designed to help us understand the learning experiences that we're delivering, what's being used, what's not being used, what are people searching for, what are they finding, you know, this is where like question item analysis will come in, score distributions and things like that. And then they kind of proceed over into what we call learner analytics, where we want to go understand the people and their competencies, their skills, their weaknesses, and we'll get you know, compliance-type stuff, organizational readiness in there. But then that next level of maturity is what we call learning program analytics, where every learning program that we deliver has an intended business outcome. We want to achieve something by putting that learning program out there. In learning program analytics, we seek to understand, did the learning 
positively impact the business in the way we intended it to. And when we do that, that's when we're starting to pull in, yeah, the, the CRM <coughs> data is a big one, the, you know, the compliance the systems, um, the actual software usage is a big one, and you know, that can get into dozens and dozens and dozens of different places is where we can go look for indicators of employee behavior and performance and review system, coaching systems. Uh, the, <clears throat> the list goes on. It's, it's kind of fun to see some of the diagrams these large organizations put together that just have you know, so many systems bringing, bringing data together. Into, in our case, <clears throat> Watershed, and it's all flowing seamlessly via XAPI. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, in some ways, uh, you know, what you're describing sounds almost, you know, for lack of a better word, like a, a data warehouse um, or a CRM in, in some ways. It almost seems like it, 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 parts of it could be in both of those systems. Do, yeah. do people confuse the three or is there overlap uh, in, in commonality of some sort uh, or are they really different things? Yeah, sure. And uh, I'd love to send you a diagram to kind of show how all these things relate together that maybe you can post for your listeners. But yeah, we think of a learning record store as a, a data lake would be the term. You know, the data warehouse is this corporate master place where all this very clean and very structured data goes for exchange throughout different parts of the organization. A data lake is a kind of a segment of the data warehouse specific for a function. And so the learning record store becomes the data lake where you can have all of the very detailed and very messy data that learning people care about. And with Watershed, we put a, a analytics layer on top of that that is designed specifically for learning people to be able to easily access and understand that data without having to go to IT and get them to write a specialized query in Tableau to figure out what they need. We kind of know the first 50 questions they're going to they're gonna ask, and we're able to answer a lot of those right out of the box and make it easy for them to explore uh -huh. even more. And so, yeah. We look at the learning record stores just being the tool specific for L&D, for learning professionals, to store all of their data. And you know, the difference between a learning record store and just a general data warehouse is <clears throat> often going to be XAPI, that ability to interface seamlessly in a plug-and-play manner with all of these learning tools that a kind of generic data warehouse cannot. Wow, interesting. That, that's great. And so uh, just one final summarization here. End users would almost never interact with the LRS. That's that's invisible to them at all at all times. It's it's the L and D team would be the ones that are interacting with, with the actual software. Exactly, it's, okay. it's completely invisible. The, a good analogy is to compare it to marketing. To you know, a learning record store is a lot like a tool like a HubSpot or a Marketo. It's that you know, those are the marketing tools that collect data about what all of your users are doing on the, on the website and on social, and then they provide a tool for the marketing professionals to go optimize their content campaigns and create conversions and figure out who's doing what. The, the learning record store is very, very similar to mm. that in a learning perspective. It sits behind the scenes. All of your great learning tools are out in the front providing learning experiences in the best way you see fit unconstrained by the box of the LMS and unconstrained by SCORM. And you know the, the learning record store just sits in the background and provides a tool for the learning professionals to go optimize the work they're doing. Hmm. Create that yeah. kind of culture of continuous improvement. Interesting. Interesting. You know, it, one of the reasons I got into uh, Extended Enterprise 20-some uh, years ago was by how easy it was uh, or easy in comparison to measure the effectiveness of your efforts. It was really yeah. easy to see whether customers you know, renewed or didn't renew or you know, bought more or you know, bought less over time or called support more or less. 
you know, when they consumed uh, training events of, of one format or another. And so, you know, even back before the web with CD-ROMs, then the web, and, and then on, it was it's always been uh, an interesting sector because it was based on that that third level that you were talking about of, of that actual business uh, impact uh, yeah. that, that you're making in an organization. But comparatively, it's always been really tough for employee learning uh, because you know, how do you you know how do you draw a line to the data that shows that better leaders are adding to the bottom line? Uh, for example, you know it's always been foggy, and it sounds like you know with all this data, you've gotten a lot closer. Or even there, uh, you know, of, of, of predictive analysis on, on what uh, the, the the training or learning impact is. Do you have any stories to show on, on like how organizations are quantifying that? It's you know, it's just bigger than a bread box. It's just millions of dollars that organizations are, are saving. Like, how, how does this? How big? How important is this? Yeah, uh, the impact really. I can give you some really really big impacts and some really really small impacts and I think both of them become very very valuable it's really that that culture of using data to drive decisions that has the biggest impact let me give you a couple examples one comes I'll give you a big one first one comes from a company called applied industrial technologies and they're a very very large distributor of industrial parts are kind of like the Amazon of industrial parts and they've got warehouses you know, all over the country all over the world that are often managed by uh, a man or a woman who kind of came up from the warehouse you know they're not an MBA they they're a blue-collar worker that's been promoted up into management and applied was rolling out a new SAP system uh, that they spent uh, millions and millions and millions of dollars for and that that SAP system is going to give them a lot of really really good insights into their business that they could use to optimize the performance of their stores but in order to do that they needed to uh, educate all these managers on basic business finance and so they, their learning program was a basic business finance course that they sent out to each of these warehouse distribution center managers they have you know KPIs for each of those distribution centers that were measured by SAP, and they were able to measure competencies that are direct finance competencies that were directly tied into each of those business KPIs. And so what they did is they went out and looked to go see if we increase their first of all, does the basic business finance course increase the level of competency? of these managers? And if that competency increases, does it increase the associated KPI? within there. And they were able to go out and you know, very definitively demonstrate that the impact of this basic business finance course increased those KPIs by numbers that I, I can't reveal the exact numbers, but it was in the seven figures that they were able to you know, add straight to the bottom line and really take advantage of this investment in their new SAP system uh, through their use of training. They're able to go back and you know, show that. So, you know, that's a big example with you know a big high dollar payoff. But you know that, I like to look at also some of the, the smaller examples. And you know, so one of them comes from um, from Visa actually. And you know, Visa was delivering some instructor led training, and they were using Watershed pretty routinely to kind of go look at the metrics and the data around all of their their training and learning programs. And they noticed this huge spike in no-shows to their ILT every Thursday. And, you know, they just 
said, oh, let me go ask why. And they started digging around. They found out that they were scheduling a group to come to their classroom training on Thursdays that always had a huge mission-critical deadline on Friday. And, you know, there was just this, of course, they're not going to come to their training if they have this huge mission-critical deadline. It was a simple scheduling thing to go back and save everybody a, a lot of time and headache. And, you know, that's a really, really small thing. But you know, the power of data and analytics comes in the process. It comes in the routine use of data, allowing you to spot problems and allowing you to get you know, just a tiny bit better every day. And I think one of the big problems we have in corporate learning is that for so long we haven't been held accountable to using data to demonstrate our impact or to you know, quantify our results. And that, allow, that allows us to get by without this culture of continuous improvement. Wow. It's really hard to continuously improve unless you have data, unless you're able to see if the things that you do actually make a difference. And so uh, though all those little impacts really, really start to add up over time. And I'm really excited about what we've done with XAPI and what we're doing with, with Watershed because you know, I think about corporate learning and I say, okay, if we just start using data, can we make ourselves... 10% more effective by just changing that culture to introduce that, you know, looking at results and having continuous improvement. I think that's very, very easy to do. I think a 10% improvement in our effectiveness as corporate learning professionals is a really low bar. And I look at the impact of that and say, okay, look at all the corporate training that is happening across our entire nation and across our world and across our entire workforce. If we can get 10% better at doing that, can we make our workforce 1% more productive, and I think that's doable. And I get really geeked out when I think about you have this small change, this small enabler of XAPI reducing the friction to doing all of these analytics, which leads to that culture change, which leads to a big impact in worldwide productivity. 1% worldwide labor productivity, that's huge. That's a really, really big impact off of a, kind of a, a really small change, and I'm excited to be the, the catalyst that uh, that might make that happen. <laughs> Changing the world one piece of learning data at a time. Exactly. Exactly. Well, all that sounds great. Uh, if anything, it, it almost sounds scary of, uh, you know, how do you get st – last question here. We're already out of time. I could probably ask you about 50 more questions. Um, but last question here, you know, for, for all those folks that want to get started in this for their organization and start that process of turning into uh, into that data-driven uh, training and development culture. Any advice that uh, you could give people that get them off the dime here and, and, and get started here in this process? Yeah, the, the biggest one is just don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid to start small and, and dive in. Again, even just the smallest little impact, the smallest little finding can have a big impact. And using data isn't about demonstrating that big seven-figure impact on the bottom line. It can be about finding those no-show users on Thursday and you know, just improving their lives. And It's about that culture. It's about that culture of using the data to hold yourself accountable and strive for continuous improvement. So start small. Find a place where you can get started. There, there's a lot of resources. You don't need a full on new learning ecosystem to start using data. Find the data that you have. If you'd like to start learning more about how XAPI can help you with that or if you have some XAPI tools, you know, we'd absolutely love to help get started. They, they joke around here that my, uh, my 
business cards as founder and CEO, but my real job is to be corporate mascot because I, I really love just going out and cheerleading and talking about this stuff. So I'm happy to uh, have a conversation with, with any of your listeners as well if you want to uh, follow up and learn a little more. Outstanding. Well, uh, folks, uh, um, just reach out through me or directly out to Mike. That sounds like a, an offer you should take up. Uh, uh, thanks so much, Mike. Russ, see a founder and CEO of Watershed LRS. Uh, thanks for everybody for tuning into the show today and, and to continue our process of learning here about ROI measurement and the impact of learning technology. Uh, today's information was uh, just uh, just really excited to see how it's all coming full circle and, and really pulling learning technology into the, the modern world of, of data analytics and, and really a seat at the executive table here by making a business impact. Uh, so uh, thanks, Mike. Uh, we learned a lot, and you can find more of our content at townslearning.com.